Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Absolute delight to have your company, folks. Welcome into the Fairways of Life show. We are still reflecting on all that took place in Rome at the Ryder Cup, an emphatic and impressive victory by the European side and a loss by Team USA. It has been eight of the last nine and 11 of the last 13 wins for Europe. We have assembled a panel today to discuss the same. Uh, It starts with a a player that I think is an absolute legend, given everything that he has done in the game of golf. Jay Haas officially is a PGA Tour champions player, but his CV goes deep. Nine PGA Tour wins to his credit. 18 times he won on the PGA Tour champions. He was a 2004 Payne Stewart Award recipient. He's played in, wait for this, over 1,000 tour events between the PGA Tour and the PGA Tour champions. He's also played in 87 majors. He has nine top fives. He played in three United States Ryder Cup teams in 1983, 1995, and in 2004. He played on two President's Cup teams, those years 1994 and in 2003. Uh, He was a 2015 United States President's Cup captain. He was also an assistant captain three times for the United States. Jay, welcome. Thank you very much for your time. We'll be joined alongside of Michael McEwen, who is the deputy editor of Bunkered Magazine in the UK. He's been with them for nearly 20 years. He also hosts a podcast called Bunkered, The Bunkered Podcast, and he's the author of multiple books. Gents, thank you very, very much for your time. All right, let's jump right into this. Michael, I want to go to you first, if I may. Uh, You just heard the stats of of the proficiency of Team Europe at the Ryder Cup. Simple question to kick things off here for you, if I may. Why? Why is it that Europe is so successful at the Ryder Cup? It's a great question. It's it's something that I'm sure the, the, the American side would love to get the answers to as well. The, the simple truth of the matter is, Matt, there's a lot of reasons for it. But I think the, one of the single biggest ones is that the, the way that we approach the, the match with that camaraderie and team spirit is something that's very hard to fake. It's very hard to replicate. And it's certainly authentic. One thing that struck me last week with the American team, there was a lot of talk about friendships in, in the American team. Xander and Patrick Cantley, great friends. JT and Jordan, great friends. Scheffler and Burns, great friends. It's like there's pockets of friendships. But one thing that you notice with the European team is that we talk about camaraderie. Everybody likes everybody, seemingly, on that team. So, yeah, there's a real collective spirit. I also think there's a bit of underdog mentality. We, we relish the fact that, on paper, most years, we are not the favourites to win the Ryder Cup. And that was certainly true again this year. Underdog mentality is a real tangible thing in sports. That's why you get shocks and upsets. Not necessarily sure this was a shock or an upset. And then, obviously, the the home field advantage is a big thing. We can set up that golf course uh, when we play it on this side of the pond to our advantage. Uh, We certainly hold more putts last week. I think our players came in fresher. I think they had more competitive reps under their belt, certainly, than the American team. So a whole confluence of factors, really, that, that contributed to yet another success for Europe. Uh, Jay, when, when, when you hear Michael uh, talk about camaraderie of the European side in pockets of friendship, which was an interesting observation, the way that he phrased it, 
Do you feel that there is any tangible difference between the way that the American players conduct themselves within their team room and what could happen on the other side on the European side? You know, personally, I don't see that in, in my past experience. I think the camaraderie in, in our team room is fantastic. Uh, I guess I hear the fact that the Europeans, you know, come together and everything, but it just, to me, it's kind of shocking that you've got people from so many different countries that come together and uh, seemingly mesh for that week and everything. But it, it, it also in the past, I've heard after the fact, some rumblings about this guy or that guy, uh, you know, you put 12 people together, everybody's not going to have the same uh, ideas and, and things like that. But yeah, I don't think that there's any kind of uh, animosity to any other player. I don't think it's clickish when it comes to the to the team room. Everybody has the common goal of trying to win the cup. I do think that uh, what Michael mentioned about the home course and all that. I do think that the Europeans have a bigger home course advantage because they play one of their DP World events on the site usually. Whereas in America, you're playing next time in, at Bethpage, we played at Whistling Straits. Uh, we played these places where we only play majors on, and the best European players who are going to be on the Ryder Cup team play in the same major that the U.S. does. So they have equal amount of experience, and, you know, the home crowd is the home crowd, but the home course, uh, that knowledge, I think, is an advantage to the European team. Uh, fascinating observation, Michael. I thought that Jay just made about familiarity of the golf course, given the fact that it's not unusual that a European Ryder Cup will be held on a golf course uh, where the DP World Tour also holds their events. You were on site with me all week. I'm curious, what did you think of the golf course and what did you note in terms of the setup that you made mention of before that you think was advantageous? I, th- I thought it was a, a really good golf course. Uh, it's funny because in some ways the, the golf course is almost an irrelevance when it comes to the Ryder Cup. You could technically play it anywhere. You could take those 12 guys from Europe last week, those 12 guys from the USA, put them on any golf course on the planet, tell them to play against each other, and it would still be the Ryder Cup. But, yeah, I think that certainly Marco Simone had a bit of an American feel to it, you know, and certainly more so than uh, – it certainly wasn't a Lynx course, was it? But, you know, there was a lot of humps, hollows, undulations, incredibly tough walk. The greens, I thought it was quite interesting for me. The greens certainly seemed to be slower at the start of the week, earlier in the day. And that, I don't know if that caught the Americans off guard a little bit, if it had been a deliberate tactic by Luke Donald and his team to to get them set up that way and they'd shared that information with their players. But as the days wore on, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, the deeper we went into each day with the incredible heat that, that we had out there, Matt, the, the greens firmed up, and that's when you, you saw the Americans start to, to play a bit better, hold some more putts. I don't even think it was necessarily the case that, you know, the, the foursomes alternate shot format didn't suit them so much in the mornings. We've had Americans have great success in, in that format. I actually think Europe's dominance in foursomes is a little bit overstated. It's, it's closer than, you, than I think some people would have you believe historically. So, yeah, I think the, the greens were maybe set up in such a way that the, the Europeans were able to get a bit of an advantage in terms of feed, feel and speed. But I, I thought it was a good golf yes. course. I, I wasn't massively blown away by it. I did like the, the closing stretch for the matches that did get that far. 
but yeah, it, it was it was set up really well. I thought. Yeah, I thought so too. And, and in particular, I thought the finishing stretch provided for such incredible and massive excitement. I mean, how many swings did we see where there was a one up or a two up advantage that finished all square as a result? Not notwithstanding the the you know the dramatics that took place in those places as well. But I thought it was very very cool as that. Now, Michael, where you're from, of course. Uh, team sport is is something of passion, whether we're talking about the premiership on the football side or even where you are with, with Rangers and Celtics, et cetera. Uh, I want to talk to you about the fact that when a captain makes a pick, and in, ca- in, the, in the case of the European side, for example, Shane Lowry over, over Adrian Moronk, just as, as an example – in the wake of victory, there's no grounds to question anything. The, the person did, as captain, as leader, exactly what they needed to do and should have done at that time and place. Uh, I'm curious if you agree with that assessment and if when you look at the American side and, and the, the questions that are being asked about Zach Johnson and the people that he put on his team in retrospect, are they fair, are they in balance, or is that just the world of sport? It's all hindsight being 2020 vision, I guess, Matt, isn't it? You know, had the result gone the opposite way, you know, I think the questions would have been asked about the European preparation. You know, did they play too much? Did they wear themselves out? Well, the fact is that Europe won, so it's a moot point. Uh, as, it, as it relates to somebody like Shane Lowry, I know for a fact Shane would have liked his contribution to have been more significant across the weekend. You, you can see it. It's writ large all over him. He's exceptionally passionate. He's He's crazy about the event for a guy that's only made his second appearance and it just there and he gets it you know I think some guys get team sports and team golf and some guys don't get it to the same extent uh, so Shane probably would have liked to have contributed more to the overall scoreline but he did make a contribution then I think about somebody on the American side like Ricky Fowler now we're led to believe that Ricky had been under the weather for the early part of the week that may have explained his absence from you know, the, the second, third and fourth sessions all of Saturday it may have explained some of his, his poor golf. But Ricky's contribution, as he looks back on it, played two, lost two, and he was a pick. So the the Monday morning quarterbacks, I'm sure, have been out in force questioning the wisdom of that pick. But that's, I don't know if that's fair or unfair. It's, it's just, it's so easy to have the benefit of hindsight and say that was right or wrong. At the time, I don't recall anybody really questioning Ricky Fowler's pick. Let me put it that way. That All the talk seemed to be, certainly from this side of the Atlantic, viewing the US from afar, it felt like all, all the conversation was about Justin Thomas and did he merit a pick? Was it too much of a risk given his form? That's where the quote-unquote controversy was. I don't really recall anyone saying Ricky Fowler absolutely doesn't deserve to be on that team. So to turn around and say Zach Johnston got it completely wrong by picking him now and you using that as a stick to beat him with feels particularly unfair, particularly when Justin Thomas, for me, vindicated his his selection. I mean, played four, won one, lost two and half another. So one and a half points from four doesn't look great, but I'll give him some benefit of the doubt. He had Justin, rather, he had Jordan Spieth for company. And Jordan Spieth was not playing good golf. He had to, I felt Justin Thomas had to carry Jordan Spieth for a large chunk of that. So, you know, I, I feel that if the U.S. had 12 Justin Thomases, would the match have been closer? Absolutely. Uh, we have the pleasure this morning of speaking with Michael Ewan and Jay Haas about everything that, that took place. And Michael McEwen hosts his own podcast called The Bunker 
Bunkered podcast that you can get uh, wherever you pick up your audio programming. And when it comes to Jay Haas, he's a man that's actually been in that hot seat. He has made captain's picks. He has been subject to those who are going to question, in hindsight, exactly what he did and how he did it. How do you handle that pressure? Where do you go from there? We're going to have it as we continue in the Fairways of Life show on this day, which is presented by the PGA Tour Superstore, the number one golf retailer in all of the land. More than 60 big, beautiful stores spread out from coast to coast. And within, you can find whatever it is that you are looking for and know that you're shopping with pros, which I think is critically important. There's other places that sell golf equipment, but they don't have professionals with them. So the people you're working with know exactly what they're talking about. They are experts. Find your happy place at the PGA Tour Superstore. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! (laughs) Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses. All set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs, the Tour Ball reinvented. The Gen 6 Iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I've ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 Iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date, and they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're going to love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. 
Welcome back to Fairways of Life Show. Pleasure to have your company, folks. Uh, enjoying the company of two esteemed members of the golf community, Michael McEwen, who is a deputy editor of Bunkered. He is a host of the podcast, The Bunkered podcast. Uh, you can go to bunker.co.uk for his website. And of course, we're joined by Jay Haas, whose resume is extensive and it includes being the 2015 United States President's Cup captain. Jay, you won on foreign soil. Uh, clearly, you know how difficult it is because of the slim margin that you guys were able to win by. It was incredibly exciting the way it came down and, frankly, the way that it played out with Billy, etc. My first question to you is, can you give us some sense, some insight through your experience as a player and as a captain of what it's like to compete wearing the Stars and Stripe and it's an away game? Well, I, I'm, of my three Ryder Cups, I, I played them all in the United States, so I didn't experience that. Uh, as a captain, uh, we played in Seoul, South Korea, and I, I'll be honest with you, I think the President's Cup, uh, the venues that we've had, it's, uh, it's not as big of an advantage for the international team because we're going to places that have never seen uh, the the U.S. stars before so much, you know. The when we played in Seoul, uh, I think the people uh, on the American team, you know, the the fans just loved them as well. So there wasn't a real uh, home away atmosphere as there is, say, in, in a European Ryder Cup. So I think that's a little bit of an advantage for the for the U.S. team uh, on an away game in the, in the Presidents Cup. But that being said, it's still a way, and you know you're not familiar with the country, the languages, things like that. But you know the guys came together. I, I was in Australia with Fred as an assistant, uh, South Korea myself with him as an assistant. So it, it was in those two venues. It, it just didn't seem like we were in such an away game. But it, it's still. Uh, it's it's a tall task. And you look at the other side, whether it be the European team or the international team, Hall of Famers up and down the lineup. So it is a tough tough task to complete and and win that match. You picked as your captain's picks, uh, Billy, uh, J.B. Holmes and Phil Mickelson. Is it, Jay, the hardest part of being a United States team captain, is that the hardest part in terms of who you're going to decide to fill out your team with and those that you have to call up and say, I'm sorry you didn't make it? Yeah, I think without question that's uh, – you, you don't want to make that call and, and tell the player that he, that he hasn't made it. Uh, it, it. I made my first team so far back that it was just 1 through 12. There was no picks. And then in – in the 90s, I don't know exactly when the picks started to happen, but now with, with six picks, uh, that's even more difficult, I think, to to juggle that. And I've, I've, I've read articles where uh, people have said that the captain should have 12 picks, and, I, and I'm just not too sure about that. But uh, it, it is difficult without without question. We And we went, you know, Jack was the captain twice when I was on, the President's Cup team, and he just went one through twelve each time. There were, he had two picks, but he didn't go beyond that. Uh, in the case in South Korea, Bill was eleventh, and JB was twelfth. But we felt like we needed a little bit more experience, and Phil, I think, was in twenty seventh, twenty eighth, or something like that. 
but the assistants, uh, Freddie was probably the, the, you know, tooting his horn the most and said, we got to have Phil on the team. So we jumped JB and put Phil on the team, but Jim Furyk came up with a bad wrist. And so then JB filled his spot. So uh, they all performed well. We, we uh, initially we were going to put uh, Phil with a different partner. He ended up with Zach Johnson and they were amazing. They, they got four, four points, three and a half points, I think out of four. So, uh, you know, Phil was a good pick. Bill did okay, one, one, and one. But it, it is uh, it, the fact is when you get to an event like that, you're going to have three or four of your guys playing really, really well. Three or four of you guys not playing up to their standards, and the rest of them uh, playing the way they usually do. So, you know, it's a juggling act. Who who gets to play with who? You have all these great plans, and then the guys lose, and you kind of go, "Well, what are we going to do? We're going to put them back out again, or we're going to mix them up?" And, you know, there's so many guys on the team who are interchangeable as well. You get guys who could play with about anybody who. Uh, whose games mesh with the other players on the team. And then others, you think, boy, uh, we had uh, JV and Bubba were, were a, a pair there, and we, we ran with them uh, for four straight matches. So they seem to gel very well. Uh, same type of game, long hitters, uh, makes a lot of birdies. So it's uh, – but the fact is these guys on the other team are amazing golfers, and – you know, you get a little momentum going one way or the other, and it's hard to stop it. Yeah, Michael, to that point that Jay was just making about the quality of the play on the European side, and forgive me for, for the question I'm going to ask you because it, because it is such a cliche, and that is, did Europe win it or did the United States lose it? How would you answer? I think you'd have to say the Europeans won it. You know, ultimately – still have to get the ball in the hole to, to, to beat your opponents. And that's what Europe did particularly well, especially on the opening morning, that whitewash. You know, you, they made a huge statement at that point. And, you know, it's very hard to recover from 4-0 down after the opening morning, even though we saw it in the Solheim Cup a week yeah. earlier where, you know, the US inflicted the 4-0 whitewash that morning and Europe battled back to retain. It's it's just, it's, it's so hard to recover from a deficit like that. And, you know, I think that, Great credit has to be given to Luke Donald for having the, I don't like to use the word bravery because I think it's applied too liberally in, in sport, but he, he had the, the courage certainly to change a winning formula. It was the last time that we started in Europe with foursomes as the opening session was 1993 mm. and the US won that year. Paul McGinley spoke about it as well during the week, saying that his <coughs> intention in 2014 had been to go with foursomes and he was talked out of it for that very reason. And his logic was, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Luke Donald, I think, knew that he had a lot of inexperience on the team. And he, won and he knew that, again, you know, Europe's strength historically between foursomes and four balls, we've had more success in foursomes. And he wanted to go with that first, despite what recent history has told him. So that took a bit of courage. And to make that statement with the 4-0 lead at that early stage of the match gave us clear momentum. We played exceptionally, I keep saying we, but yes, we, Europe, we played exceptionally well that opening morning, made a, a bunch of great shots. And when you hold putts, it, it just, it puts your opponent under so much pressure. So yeah, the Americans missed some shots, no question, but the Europeans still had to make them in order to keep that pressure applied. 
they had their foot on the accelerator very early on and never never really released it for the first three sessions. I give America huge credit for battling back the way they did on, on Saturday afternoon in particular. Although I suspect at that point with the, the Patrick Cantley noise that got round and the, the animosity, or if that's even the right word, the, the treatment of Patrick Cantley by the fans, that gave America something else to unite behind and that galvanised them, which is when I think they were at their most threatening across the whole week, frankly. Uh, Michael, your observations are fascinating to me. So too of Jay and and both of these gents continue to lead us down the pathway of, of where I think we should go next, because here you're talking about a combination of factors and marry that to Jay's comments of four, four and four, which I'd never heard before. Whereas you'll have four players that will play exceptionally well, four that will play below their standard, and four that will play average and how that balances itself out. I'm curious what Michael thinks about the 4-4-4 four, four, and four for Team Europe because I have a feeling that that formula was more weighed to the side of exceptional performance on the part of Team Europe. There really is not too many players that you can look at at that side and say, well, they played below expectations. Maybe Nikolai Hoygaard, who was a rookie, but that would be about the only one that pops into my mind. So it's a pathway I want to go down when we come back. And in particular, I want to ask Jay about how a captain is judged. And just like I asked Michael earlier in this show, in the world of sport, we all know what happens. A team wins, it's a player's. A team loses, it's the coach, manager, or in this case, the captain. Is that fair? The United States captain's picks went 4-12 and 4. There also was a virus that impacted the team room and and swept through. We don't know the exact details of what it was, but we know the team doctor was pretty busy. When we come back, we're going to ask these two gents about those things and more as the Fairways of Life show continues. It is presented in part by DeWiz Golf, this incredible wearable device that will give you instant feedback, a swing monitor on where your golf swing is, a whole myriad of different information. It is data points that will come directly from your golf swing because it measures it in real time and in real space. It's based on neuroscience simply put there's nothing else like it in the game of golf and that's why so many prominent players in the game of golf have taken to use this technology so that they can modify their swing with the data that comes back i guess hello world huh (laughs) and with one subtle hello tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career I've done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boynegolf.com. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one. Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz really helped me to keep that consistent swing. 
You can go out there on your own and just hit balls and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. DeWiz, sold exclusively at DeWizGolf.com. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. What if we started a company and the company was under no time constraints, no financial constraints? The one constraint is their clubs had to be exceptional performers and much better than any other alternative. I was told time and again it'll never work. It worked like a house of fire. And I'll tell you what, I think our customers love it. BXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary three-in-one design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all-terrain wheels which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer. Push, carry, or cart. The decision is yours thanks to Zero Friction. Head to ZeroFriction.com today. So we welcome you back to the Fairways of Life show. So, Jay Haas, you know Zach Johnson extremely well. You've played alongside him. He was on your team. Does it cause you discomfort to see the the criticism and the second-guessing that a losing captain is subject to? Uh, it, it does, but it comes with the territory for sure. I think you have to be prepared for that, and I think – Zach is. I think he's handled every interview uh, wonderfully. I mean, moments after the cup was over uh, on the green there, uh, you know, put a microphone in his face. I thought he handled that extremely well. And, uh, you know, I, from what I'm hearing, uh, a few of the guys uh, were not feeling 100%, and I think that played into it. But I don't think you've heard Zach use that as an excuse. Uh, I don't think he's made any excuses. And, you know, the Euros just played better uh, earlier when you asked Michael, did they did they win it or did the U.S. lose? And I think that uh, without question, the Euros won it. I think the 4-0 on Friday morning uh, was tough to come back from. But I do think that Friday afternoon, those three matches that went to the 18th hole and Rom made an eagle, uh, Hovland made a long putt to look like... Uh, you know, the, the U.S. was going to win that match. And then I think Rosie made a great putt uh, to, to win. So there was a, it looked like it could be 3-1 U.S. And instead it was two and a half, one and a half for the Euros. So instead of, you know, ending the evening 5-3, now it's six and a half, one and a half. And I think that was a, that moment, those, that 30, 40 minutes or whatever it was, I think was a, a huge blow. But uh, getting off the subject here of Zach, I thought he did an amazing job. You know, he's very thorough. I don't think there's anything that he didn't think of or didn't expect. And I, I would say if you interviewed all 12 guys, they would say without question, Zach did an amazing job. 
The only thing Zach did say, though, Jay, in his press conference following is that as circumstances were changing around him, and I'm paraphrasing, not quoting, uh, he said that he wasn't quick enough to react. And I'm not suggesting that as a criticism. I'm su- suggesting this as, an, as a point of understanding. When you're, you are in the middle of the fray, how difficult is it even for a captain to sort your thoughts when everything is coming at you at once? Oh, I think it's very difficult. You know, when you have to put the pairings in and maybe your uh, morning matches haven't gone according to plan and you're hearing from the assistant so-and-so's not real sharp, uh, he looks a little tired, uh, you know, now all of a sudden your your pairings in the afternoon that you had all in your head for the, for the past uh, three months, basically, uh, are out the window. So now you change one person. Now that affects another match, say, the next morning. So it, it's a lot going on when you have to put those pairings in prior to the finish uh, of the matches. One of the, uh, the, as I look back on a kind of a funny situation at uh, in South Korea, we had uh, uh, DJ playing with uh, Jordan. No, that's not right. Yeah, and they uh, uh, they were getting waxed, and Dustin was not didn't seem to be playing great. And so we pulled him from the afternoon match, and they came back and won uh, their match. And on the 18th green, I told Dustin, I said, come on now, just get some rest and be ready for tomorrow or something. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm ready to go this afternoon. I said, well, you're not playing this afternoon. And he looked at me like I just uh, told him he, you know, I'm pulling his – I broke his driver or something like that. But, it, you know, that's the, the types of things that happen – you're just not expecting and and lots lots happening at a at a pace that you're not used to you know in fairness though jay it it wasn't like you pulled the pitcher when he was when he was throwing a no hitter it's it's part of what makes it so difficult uh michael let me ask you this question if i may live golf could that have impacted team usa when you consider when you look at it from a european side there was a brain trust. There, there was a cultural drain in terms of the, the guys that went to live that were not allowed to be a part of this, whether they talk about Westwood or Poulter or Keimer or McDowell or Stenson, et cetera. Whereas on the U.S. side, there were players that could have likely di- directly impacted and benefited Team USA. I'm talking about the likes of what Jay was talking about, Dustin Johnson or Bryson or Taylor. Where do you fall on that in terms of the impact of live golf and what it did with this Ryder Cup? Yeah, that's a brilliant question. Uh, I think that Live Golf has had a, a profound impact on both teams, but in very different ways. So in Europe, for example, the impact has been in terms of, well, where do we go next for captains and vice captains and who are the leaders going to be of the team for the next five, six years? Very recently, until Live came along, there was a bit of a fear that we had too many captains and not enough matches to go round that somebody who was very deserving, was going to miss out on the opportunity to lead the team. For the US, as profound an impact, but in a, in a more significant, tangible playing sense, no Dustin Johnson. The guy went 5-0-0, you know, two years ago at Whistling Straits. He's been playing well on live too. I mean, it's not like he's gone to live and isn't playing well anymore. He's actually been winning and playing exceptionally well. Bryson DeChambeau could have been in the conversation. I gather from what he said about not receiving a call from Zach that he wasn't. But it's hard to ignore a guy who is winning as as he's been doing. At 58, I don't, I, you know, fair enough. The Greenbrier is a golf course that has historically produced low rounds, but 
58 still 58 regardless of the circumstances then you've got taylor gooch as you rightly say you know he he, he should have and could have been in the conversation I, I don't think phil mickelson was going to be there he's, he's too far removed from that i guess you might have other people like harold varner for example patrick reed so yeah i think that it certainly live reduced the options available to zach johnson but by the same token it opened a door for players who might otherwise not have been in the conversation to either play their way onto the team automatically or do enough to justify a captain's pick. And when you look at somebody like Max Homa, who was without shadow of a doubt the MVP for the USA last week, I, I, would he have been squeezed out, for example, had it come down to picks, had Dustin and Bryson and Patrick all been in the conversation? So it's, again, it's a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking on my behalf here, but I think that as a captain, you and I, I bow to Jay's superior knowledge in this. He's done the job. I haven't. But I, I think as a captain, presumably you want as many options as you can have so that you can choose the strongest hand from the widest possible playing cards. When you look back, folks, on this Ryder Cup, whether we're talking about Hatgate, whether we're talking about Caddygate, whether we're talking about viruses, whether we're talking about friends and enemies, uh, to me it comes down to lawyers' puns in money. Where do we go from here? When we come back, I'm going to ask these two gentlemen to weigh in on does anything need to be fixed? What needs to be fixed? And what of the things that we're hearing in the wake of this Ryder Cup? More of the Fairways of Life show right after this. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses. All set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs. The Tour Ball reinvented. The Gen 6 Iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I've ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 Iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date. And they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're going to love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. 
They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know, Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show. Whispers, rumors, innuendo, what we know, what we don't know. Jay, do you think that there's anything in the wake of this that needs to change? Uh, you know, I don't know. As I look at the whole of the, of the Ryder Cup, you know, golf is about... Uh, etiquette and I, I know this is a whole different animal than a week-to-week thing but you know a golfers not used to hearing booze and cheers when they hit a poor shot so that's something that uh, that cats out of the bag I don't think we'll we'll be able to to stop that but I do think that we're walking a fine line on sportsmanship and I think golf is a game uh, that really uh, accentuates that part of sports, the sportsmanship part, and I think that we're we're uh, we're teetering on over the edge on that. Uh, you know, when you, when you watch a regular tour event and and a guy makes a putt uh, short of the last putt of the of the tournament going in and fist pumping and all that stuff. You just you see a guy make a six footer and he's walking off the green and he's you know doing his arms up like come on let's hear more cheering and everything. Uh, is that inciting the crowd? Is that uh, taking advantage of of the home game uh, that you have there? And so that when I watch it, I, that's my concern. Uh, I, I'm not concerned about the home team winning by four or five points, whatever it is. Uh, that's just a fact. It's tough uh, tough sledding when you go to a, a, a visiting site. So, uh, but as a, as a golfer, as an old time golfer, that's a, that's a concern I see. I think about Jack giving the putt to Tony Jacklin. Now there's an award for that moment. And, uh, you know, when you see old videos of the, of the Ryder cup, uh, it doesn't seem like you, you see the going up to the edge of over, um, over over the line on the sportsmanship part of it. So I don't mean to harp on that, but that's that's my concern uh, for the big picture. The, to me, the Ryder Cup, I've, I've read some articles, read a lot of stuff uh, here in the last few days and during the, the week about uh, how it's uh, it's not living up to what it's been there. You know, there, it's not close anymore. The home team wins every time, all that. But uh, that's just... Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen as we go forward, but that the part as a golfer and what I've known my entire life is 
uh, etiquette, sportsmanship, uh, and all those things that we talked about. Uh, that's that's my concern going forward. Uh, how much concern, uh, Jay Haas, do you have then for the more recent discussions? Uh, it, although it was not confirmed on site, it, it was mentioned by Stefan Shoffley, Xander's dad, about this idea of players getting a bigger piece of the pie of the Ryder Cup. There are various published reports that uh, have it that there's a net of some $50 million after a sporting event of this size. Do you think that players deserve something more? Uh, it's a good point. Uh, I know uh, I had a good conversation with my great friend, Billy Harmon, and we talked about if you were, you were putting on a concert and you asked uh, the Rolling Stones and the U2 and, and all these great bands to come and show up and, and do, a, do an event, but they don't get anything. Uh, they do it just out of the goodness of their heart and all that, and the promoters make all the money. So Pierce, uh, they have dollars that are uh, earmarked for charities or whatever. Do whatever you want with it, but that's been the same number for quite a few years now. So uh, th- this is a big, big business, and you're talking about tens of millions of dollars on both sides. So uh, I don't have, you know, when I hear that initially, I think, wow, uh, we didn't get anything for a long time and all that, but things have changed so much. The purses have gone up across the board uh, on all tours, but that's, uh, that's something that can, can be looked at, I suppose. And, you know, it happened. I mean, David Duvall and Mark O'Meara took, took the brunt of it, you know, back in the late 90s maybe when they started talking about that and everyone, everyone was up in arms, but it also led to the, the charity dollars that the DJ uh, of America – and the PGA Tour have have given the players to, to uh, of their choosing. So it, it's uh, you know something to be talked about. Probably needs to be talked about behind the scenes and not be uh, up front so much. And, and the, the PGA of America probably just needs to be proactive in that regard and just start uh, bumping that number up. Uh, uh, Michael. Let me finish with you with some of these questions. I'm sure you want to weigh in on what Jay was just saying and the in the prospect of money and players being paid. And uh, on the European side, uh, the money that comes in from the Ryder Cup is major in terms of funding the DP World Tour, and that extends down into the Challenge Tour and beyond. Uh, but before I ask you anything else, I'm curious what your response is to that. Yeah, I, I think in response to what, what Jay said, certainly, you know, it's funny, I... For the longest time, I thought, no, golfers absolutely shouldn't be paid for, for playing in the Ryder Cup. And I, I still do think that. I think it should be an honour. I think it should be basically a a, a kickback for a, a sustained period of excellent play. This should be the reward for playing so well. You're so handsomely paid throughout the, the year. You know, for 103 weeks of the year, here's just one where you get a reward in a different way. You get to be part of something that everyone who's ever picked up a golf club would love to be part of. You get to be that person. But equally, I do see the other side of it, which is that the the tours and the organizations and the PG of America, they make so much money from this now that you can see why the players are saying, hang on just a second. I witnessed it myself, actually, in, in Rome, Matt. There was a, an occasion when some spectators were standing in front of an advertising hoarding blocking the logo of the advertiser and were moved on by marshals. 
you know, they weren't standing anywhere. They weren't meant to be standing in terms of a rope area, but they were blocking the logo of one of the advertisers and Marshalls moved them away. I mean, that's just, I get it. But by the same token, if it is that commercial of an animal now, then surely the stars of the show deserve to be compensated in some way, shape or form. But yeah, I, I, I like the idea of a, a more significant charitable contribution and a more visible, transparent charitable contribution as well. It's often talked about as, you know, we made all this money and yeah, we contributed some to charity. Let's talk up that more. You know, let's talk about the good that this match can do in a wider social sense. That would be my probably my main feeling about it. And realizing now that we're still dealing with on one side the smoldering ruins and and the grand celebration on the other, do you feel, Michael, that there's anything broken with the Ryder Cup that needs to be looked at, notwithstanding what we just discussed? Yeah, again, I actually agree with Jay. I think that I don't know how we, you know, put the cap back in the bag here, but the I don't like the booing. I don't like the heckling. But I get, I get it. It's partisanship, and people are rooting for a team, and that's very alien in golf generally. Uh, but I don't especially like it. I actually think booing is counterproductive. You know, it, it fired up Patrick Cantley, and lo and behold, he he contributed a couple of points there in his last two sessions. Why not just, if you're wanting to make an impact, receive them with absolute silence? I think would be far more. I would, I would spook them more than booing. Put it that way. Beyond that. Listen, you know, 300,000 people attended Rome last week. Sky Sports here in the UK broke broadcast records. I know it wasn't the same in the US, but Sky Sports broke broadcast records here in the UK for, for showing the match. That tells me that there's a huge amount and a huge latent interest in the match. So is it broken? I don't think so. We can improve it, we can refine it, but we have a pretty solid product right here that I think has longevity, it has sustained interest and. I think people are just getting more and more into the Ryder Cup each and every time it's played. So, no, I, I wouldn't advocate for any change. I think we've got something pretty special as it is. Two important, prominent voices in the game of golf. Uh, Michael McEwen from Bunkered, the Bunkered podcast, if you want to find that, or his website, bunkered.co.uk, an expert in the world of golf and an absolute legend in the form of Jay Haas weighing in with their opinions on what went right, what went wrong with the Ryder Cup and where we are. And if I had to summarize what I've heard today, the first thing is take a deep breath before you make any decisions and just let the dust settle a little bit and realize that the Ryder Cup is, always has been, and continues to be a very, very special event. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. It's very much appreciated. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. All right, folks, more of the Fairways of Life show coming up right after this. When we come back, we're going to go through player by player and grade each, including the two captains. More of the Fairways of Life show after these words. I guess hello world, huh? (laughs) And with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. 
Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to BoyneGolf.com. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. DeWiz, sold exclusively at DeWizGolf.com. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. What if we started a company and the company was under no time constraints, no financial constraints? The one constraint is their clubs had to be exceptional performers and much better than any other alternative. I was told time and again it'll never work. It worked like a house of fire. And I'll tell you what, I think our customers love it. BXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary three-in-one design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all-terrain wheels which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer. Push, carry, or cart, the decision is yours thanks to Zero Friction. Head to ZeroFriction.com today. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show. I have my red pen out. It is now time to grade the players on each team. Let's start with Team USA and Ricky Fowler. You know, at some point, we have to admit that Ricky is just not good at the Ryder Cup. I get that he's a great guy. I get that he's great for team chemistry. But on a team where chemistry had to be defended, being everybody's bud is not enough. He played in four previous Ryder Cups. He compiled a record of 3-7-5. and five. His win percentage is 36.67, the lowest of anyone on Team USA, by 16%. The next lowest being Jordan Spieth with a win percentage of 52.78%. If Ricky is great to have around, then at the next Ryder Cup, when he'll be 36, make him a vice captain. Grade Ricky Fowler an F. From there, we go to Jordan Spieth. 0-2-1 at this Ryder Cup. Spieth wasn't at the Ryder Cup. This wasn't Jordan Spieth. Early in the week, I watched him on the range. He seemed to be searching for something which you rarely find at the Ryder Cup. But Jordan often seems to be fighting noises and voices in his head. Well, this Jordan didn't become the artist, the golfing savant that we're accustomed to on the biggest stages. He didn't rise to circumstance. He was consumed by it. His grade would be an F, save for the half point 
thanks to Justin Thomas. D minus for Jordan Spieth. Next up, Scotty Scheffler. His record, 0-2-1 as well. World number one Scheffler was supposed to be the cornerstone of a top-heavy USA team that could absorb a couple of bring-along-your-buddies-it's-fine philosophy. Instead, Scotty, who actually hit some decent shot at times because I was out with him a lot, unfortunately, they were at the wrong times, becomes not only another top-ranked American to get steamrolled, but he now owns the distinction of the most lopsided foursomes loss of all time, leaving us as him in tears, D minus. Next, Xander Shoffley, 1-3-0. Perhaps more so than ever before, this Ryder Cup is all about analytics. Coming in, Xander Shoffley was fourth in strokes gained putting with a 3-1-0 cigar and chest puffing record from Whistling Straits. His partnership with Patrick Cantlay was stuff of superheroes, but this Ryder Cup was definitely his kryptonite when it came to his putter. The duo lost twice, along with an additional loss with Colin Morikawa in Friday's four balls. His sole ray of light came against Nicholas Hoygaard with a singles win in an otherwise dark place. Grade for Xander Shoffley is a D. Colin Morikawa. 1-3-0 was his record. Morikawa was another of the seemingly mythical American that just came in to seem seemingly unassailable and undefeated, frankly, in his last Ryder Cup after having gone 3-0-1 at Whistling Straits. At Marco Simone, though, it seemed like only a myth as the best he could muster was a one point. You know, some solid playoff Sam Burns in that round, too. That was Saturday afternoon. Grade for Colin Morikawa is a D. Sam Burns at 1-2-0. Sam Burns came into the Ryder Cup after a decent year that included winning the match play championship and a reputation of being a pressure putter. But the pressure at this Ryder Cup boiled over. And a poor showing with his good pal Scotty Scheffler in foursomes on Friday morning, losing 4-3 and three to Rahm and Terrell Hatton. But Burns seemed to find his form on Saturday's four-ball and put up a great fight against an unstoppable Rory McIlroy in singles. One point from three earns a C. Next up, Justin Thomas at one, two, and one. JT was clearly the controversial pick for Team USA, with Captain Zach Johnson declaring that Thomas is, quote, built for the Ryder Cup, close quote. Clearly, he was not also built to carry Jordan Spieth on his shoulders. The the slim frame, such as he is. But one and a half points out of four is not awful for a former world number one that had an awful year by his standards. Justin Thomas is getting a C+. Brooks Koepka, one, one, and one. Brooks came in looking like his normal golfing gladiator persona, but this time he was mostly eaten by the Lions, partnering Scotty Scheffler and principally responsible for the most lopsided foursomes loss ever. For a golfer famous for a shoulder shrug and declaring it is what it is, what that was was average at best. Grade C. Wyndham Clark at 1-1-1. The reigning U.S. Open champion came into the Ryder Cup with a lot of expectations piled on his shoulders and seemed to be poised to deliver early with Max Homa as he battled Bob McIntyre and Justin Rose. But that faded late to win only a half point.
before he and Patrick Cantlay earned a full point in taking down Matt Fitzpatrick and Rory McIlroy in Saturday's four balls. 1.5 points out of three is a solid C. Brian Harmon. Like many of the Americans coming in for Harmon, he seemed like the perfect fit at this Ryder Cup. His stats in putting, in fairways hit, in approach shots, in scrambling around the greens, all solid. But he and Max Homa got drummed in the opening foursomes before coming alive on Saturday and demonstrating the bulldog mentality he's known for, winning both sessions with Homa. His second loss came in singles against Terrell Hatton. Not great, but not bad. For Brian Harmon, his grade, a B-. minus. Patrick Cantlay, 2-2-0 two, two between Hatgate and Lacati Gate that seemed to just add fire to swirling speculation of discontent. His forehead seemed to foretell of a late Saturday hot surge of birdies against Rory and a hope-inspiring singles win against Justin Rose. Hats off to Patrick Cantlay for facing the fire and still delivering when it counted. His grade? A B. Max Homa, 3-1-1. Max Homa was the best American player at Marco Simone and the only one to play all five matches. Of all of his great play, his up and down for par after taking a greenside and playable is absolutely the stuff of legend on 18. Rock solid grade of A. All right, finally, Captain Zach Johnson. Zach Johnson represented many of the things that a Ryder Cup captain should aspire to be. He was dignified. He was soft-spoken but determined. And his heart was 100% into the cause. But perhaps because he was captain of Team USA in the most turbulent year in golf's history, the churning waters seemed to consume him at times when decisions, judgments, and retrospect seemed suspect. He's a good guy, but he left us with more questions than answers. Grade for Zach Johnson, a C minus. When we come back, we're going to run through Team Europe in the grades that lie in store. Stay with us. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! (laughs) Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs. The Tour Ball reinvented. 
The Gen 6 Iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I've ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 Iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date, and they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're going to love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one. Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz, sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. Welcome back. Time to do the grades for Team Europe at the Ryder Cup. We start with Nikolai Hoygaard, 0-2-1. Hoygaard's 22 years old. He's from Denmark. This is his first Ryder Cup. And at his first hole, he started with a bang, draining a bomb for birdie when he was partnered in that match with John Rahm. And it would end with a draw against American Scheffler and Kepka. But after that, not much went his way. Likely plenty of more chances, though, in his life. Grade D. Sepp Straka at 1-2-0. Sepp Straka is an interesting case of an Austrian golfer. He was born in Vienna, but he moved to Georgia when he was 14. But not much withstanding this southern accent that he actually has. He was all Europe. Partnering with Shane Lowry to take down Fowler Morikawa 2-1 on Friday mornings. Foursomes. From there, his mind must have drifted back to Georgia with only two losses for his efforts. Grade, C-. How about Matt Fitzpatrick? 1-2-0. Matt Fitzpatrick's Ryder Cup record coming in was not good at 0-5, and he did little to improve it this time around. But the thing that will sting the most, I think, for Matt Fitzpatrick was the putt that he missed that would have clinched it for the Euros, causing a delay of another 90 minutes of question marks. Grade, I'm going to give him a C-. minus. Justin Rose, 1-1-1 one, one, and one. at 43. Justin Rose came in surrounded by more questions than perhaps only Shane Lowry on the Euro side. By his own account, he declared that he hadn't had his, quote, Ryder Cup moment, close quote. But boy, did he ever at Marco Simone. His birdie at the 18th in Friday foursome stole half a point from Holman Clark. And on Saturday, he and McIntyre beat up on Thomas and Spieth. His impact was bigger than his score. I'm giving Justin Rose a B. Shane Lowry was 1-1-1. One, one, and, one. and we have to admit it. Don't we all just roll our eyes when we're told someone is great in the team room, close quote, seriously? Does that automatically mean 
that they got chosen on the team despite an average or worse season. Lowry missed the FedEx Cup playoffs this past season, and his selection was over red-hot Adrian Moronk. It raised eyebrows. But Lowry might just be the guy who really rises above a 1-1-1 performance just by being, well, him. Take, for example, when Shane shoved Rory into the car on Saturday evening. If not him, then who? And what might have happened otherwise? Sometimes a team room counts, and 1.5 points is not bad. Shane Lowry is getting a grade of B. Ludwig Ober of Sweden. He's a 23-year-old superstar in the making. Get this, six foot three inches, 190 pounds. It's swing to die for in the poise of one of the greats. He went two and two in his debut, and his game was as big as he is for most of the week. I don't think we've heard the last from Ludwig in any way, Ryder Cups or otherwise. In fact, I think the conversation is just starting. This young man's getting a grade of B+. Bob McIntyre of Scotland, he's still one of the young guns, too. You know, he's only 27 years old. And at 2-0-1, the performance that he had was one of a veteran. Really, that's a great Ryder Cup performance. Because many times, it's not only about playing your best, it's about exceeding your best. And McIntyre's sometimes suspect putter came through when Europe needed it the most. He's another glimpse into the future in my book, B+. John Rahm. 2-0-2, John Rahm went undefeated. Full stop. That alone says all that anyone needs to know about Rahm. But Rahm did it, as he does everything else, his way. His strokes gained total for the week was plus 8.67, second only to Victor Hovland. But what was remarkable was that Rahm actually was negative in strokes gained putting for the week, by negative 1.52. That was the worst of any of the top 10 players in the statistical leaders. On either team combined, that was the worst of the top 10. Proving that whether it's a wedge or a putter, the only thing that matters is getting it in the hole, and that's exactly what John Rahm did. Grade A. Let's talk about Tommy Fleetwood at 3-1-0. He was nearly an unstoppable force. Forming the new Fleetwood Mac alongside of Rory McIlroy, it's likely Fleetwood will be the most remembered in this Ryder Cup for scoring that clinching point after being conceded his putt in singles versus Ricky Fowler. Fleetwood may not have won on the PGA Tour yet, but he's won the heart of Europe. Grade for Tommy is an A. Okay, Victor Hovland. Again, 3-1-1. One, one. He earned three and a half points. Hovland's been on a heater for some time, but setting the tone on Friday morning to make it a 26-footer on 18 on Friday afternoon to deny Thomas and Spieth, Hovland has not only been a near-unstoppable force, uh, but when he was in Obert, annihilated Scheffler and Kepka 9-7 and seven in Saturday's foursomes. That's the largest margin of victory in the history of the Ryder Cup over a reigning world number one and a reigning PGA championship. It screams that Victor's time is now and I scream that his grade is an A+. Terrell Hatton went 3-0-1 with 3.5 points. He was another member of Team Europe to go undefeated. But Terrell Hatton, he did what Terrell Hatton does. 
He wasn't amongst the leaders in any of the critical strokes gain stats for the week. But he doesn't do it by wowing you. He does it by good old-fashioned grinding it out. Key putts in a singles victory over Brian Harmon helped slam the door. Grade for Terrell Hatton, A+. Rory McIlroy, 4-1-0, four points. Rory McIlroy cried after Europe got crushed at Whistling Straits, admitting that he didn't do enough of the things that he had to do. And it would be different next time. Well, next time was his time. And the Northern Irishman was a raging bull, both on and off the course. It's one thing to know that you have to deliver for your team and another thing to entirely and actually do it in reality. Great for Rory McIlroy, A+. Plus. How about Captain Luke Donald? I wonder if people are already forgetting that Luke Donald got a late call to the post. But he was so perfect for the role, you wonder how he could have been overlooked to begin with. Starting with foursomes, absolutely brilliant. His captain's picks and pairings, visionary. And he did it all with poise, with dignity, and true, true leadership. Might we see him leading Team Europe again? We shall see. A grade of A+. Plus. Okay, that is uh, where we stand. With records for each team, respectively, Team USA, Team Europe, and obviously with the win by Team Europe, yes, the grades for Team Europe came in rock solid. You guys are rock solid, too. Thank you so much for your time today. Looking forward to continuing these conversations as we proceed on the Fairways of Life show. And until we are together again, folks, be well and goodbye for now.